views expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station, its management, or other advertisers. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio. Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Welcome. I want to welcome you. Welcome. Yes. Welcome indeed. Welcome to the Dr. Pat show. This is talk radio to thrive by. Thanks for tuning us in and turning us on another glorious day in paradise. It's so great to have all of you chiming in, joining us here today. We've got uh, another great lineup for you. But first, before we go anywhere, I want to say hi to Mr. Benny. Uh, thank you, Mr. Benny, for pushing all the right buttons. It's great to have you here today. That's my pleasure. My pleasure. I know. Well, we got a lineup here. We got a show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, we're going to be talking about the Grief Recovery Handbook for Pet Loss. Why is this so important? Well, it's important for a lot of reasons. You know, for most of us, Benny and I shared a mutual pet, a goldfish. We did. And, you know... What happens sometimes is I believe have, it was two before that though, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Okay, it was actually, so or, yeah, and then it was crusty yeah, before. So we don't yeah. want to lead people down the wrong road now. All right, crusty the crustacean. Yeah, so Remember technically that. there was three. Yeah, it's actually that's right. Okay. Um, but part of the deal here is that for many of us, we get so seriously attached. The love it has been called indescribable. I had a collie for 13 years, and uh, the hardest thing that I ever had to to do is to part with that collie. And I know, and we know because of the surveys out there, that pets are very, very important. And so the question really is, you know, what do we do? How do we talk about them? Today, we're going to talk about Uh, the Grief Recovery Handbook for Pet Loss. We're going to talk about what that means at many levels. You know, one of the things that that I love about this is that um, I get to chat with people uh, that are doing work uh, that address really what the issues of our day is. So, you know, what I want to talk about is, you know, what is it? that we should know about this. Well, your relationship with your pet is special. It's a bond that is very different than those that human beings share with each other. When a beloved pet passes away, people often resort to incorrect mechanisms to deal with their grief, such as trying to move too quickly past the loss, dismissing the real impact, or even attempting to replace the pet immediately. You know, These are merely two myths out of six 
that the authors discuss and dismantle in the Grief Recovery Handbook for Pet Loss. Based on the author's grief recovery method, this book addresses the differences in losing a pet and ultimately moving on with life. So here's some information I would just want to share with you um, before we get going here in the show today. Um, you know, let's just, let me just say that uh, we have the author, one of the authors joining us here today. Uh, John W. James, he didn't wake up one morning 35 years ago and say, grief, what a concept. I think I'll devote my life to helping people deal with it. John was propelled into this arena by the death of his three-day-old son, an event which caused him to question his desire to stay alive. It was the latest in a string of losses that started with the death of his father, followed by unspeakable horrors of combat in the jungles of Vietnam, and then the tragic, unexplainable death of his 20-year-old brother. Somehow, finding the courage to want to go on, John found a way to help himself feel emotionally complete with his son. Honestly, I can't even imagine this. I, I mean, it's hard for me to imagine this as I'm actually talking about it. Uh, but in the world that he lived in, others noticed John's recovery and started bringing friends to him who experienced similar losses. You know, as the story goes, John realized that his actions, uh, he uncovered significant emotional loss and, and other losses. He discovered that not only could he help himself, but that he could help others. Over time, John developed and refined the helpful actions into what is known as the grief recovery method. And so here is the story and how it goes. Having regained the will to live and thrive, John founded the Grief Recovery Institute to help people, you know, people like you and me, who have been affected by the losses of every kind. Uh, more than a million people have benefited directly from John's discoveries and the actions he wrote about in the original self-published ver published version of the Grief Recovery Handbook and in subsequent editions. So those actions had led them back to full participating in their lives. So along with partner and co-author Russell Friedman and now his son Cole, John has devoted his life to helping uh, grieving people complete the pain and caused, uh, caused by loss. Now, here's what I want to say. Many of you have heard me in talking about the show and talking about, you know, my own uh, loss in life. You know, you've heard me talk about um, the loss of my mother when I was six years old. Then you've also heard me talk about the loss of my sister uh, in 1990 and shortly thereafter, the loss of my stepmom. And recently... Uh, both of my sisters. And so what do we learn about loss? How can we look at loss in a different way? You know, some of this is also thinking about how many times in our lifetimes have we loved uh, one, one of our pets and our animal friends and have lost them. If you're me, you can count the many dogs you've had the many cats maybe 
that adopted adopted you and and what do we do with that loss i know that a number of years ago when i had to make a decision about you know my colleague travis it was one of the hardest decisions i'd ever made the memory of that haunted me for years and so as we look at our lives what is it that we know what can we say what can we do today we're going to talk about what the recovery book is what are the major myths about grieving what to say and not to say to a griever you know the misused g word guilt and what are the stages of grieving what to do with your pet stuff after their death so we're going to be talking with folks about this but what I'd love to do before I jump into it is take a short break. And when we, when we come back, we're going to share some, you know, some information about pets. You know, how many pets do we, you know, discover in our lifetimes? And what do those numbers mean? What do we do with this? Today's show, of course, will open up the phone lines for those of you out there to get some help. We're going to take a short break, everyone. Uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back with the Dr. Pat Show. We're talking about the Grief Recovery Handbook for Pet Loss and much more. Stay tuned, folks. We'll be right back with the show. It's here, the 23rd Annual Women of Wisdom Conference, February 12th through the 16th. This year's theme is I Am We, Hearts Connecting Communities, with special guests Jean Shinoda Bolin, healer Patty Conklin, Penny Pierce, and over 40 experiential life-changing workshops and inspiring evenings, all individually priced for you to create your unique conference. Evenings open to men. Find out all the details at www.womenofwisdom.org. Register for a half-day workshop and bring a friend for 40% off. Grateful patients have been saying it for 25 years. When in pain, see Dr. Thane. Dr. Thane of Wellness One of Bellevue has been named one of the nation's top chiropractors by the Consumers Research Council of America, and for good reason. He has helped his patients recover their energy and vitality after car accidents, sports injuries, herniated discs, fatigue due to stress, the list goes on. The website is bellevue.wellnessone.net. When in pain, see Dr. Thane. That's bellevue.wellnessone.net. Would you like to be a question with anything that comes up in your body or mind? Would you like to become totally aware and begin to function as the conscious being you truly are? Join Access Certified Facilitator Glenna Rice every month for a live teleclass where you can ask all of your questions and learn to create change in any aspect of your life. Visit GlennaRice.com today to learn more and don't miss the next call. Join the questionable conversation today at GlennaRice.com. Tired of traditional talk? People pontificating about this or that, the left or the right. Sometimes the truth is just all lost in the noise. Tune in each week to Straight Talk with Chuck Gallagher on TransformationTalkRadio.com, Mondays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, as nationally known guests talk about what's important to you, your life, your concerns, and your success. Tune in and turn on to Straight Talk with Chuck Gallagher. Visit ChuckGallagher.com for more information. What does a dentist of the year get? A little plaque. 
Welcome to Smile Big, where we offer cosmetic, restorative, and preventative dentistry. Dr. James Rosenwald and Dr. Susan Abdenard work hard every day for their clients to be happy to smile with the latest equipment for complete smile restoration for anyone. The sooner you call, the sooner they can help. Call 425-454-4040 or email scheduling at smilebig.com. You can even visit our website at smilebig.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back to the show. You know, we're thrilled to have Russell Freeman joining us here today. And here's why. You know, Russell's one of the co-authors of the Great Recovery Handbook for Pet Loss. But more importantly, this is somebody that knows the ins and outs of what goes on when loss does happen. Uh, and for those of you out there, we're also going to receive, uh, we're going to give away two copies of the, of the book as we go on here. And please feel free to go ahead and give us a call if you've got questions about this. Believe me, I know that Russell has pretty much been asked just about every question you want to know. 1-800-930-2819. Russell, thank you so much for joining us here today. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you. It, it feels wonderful to be welcomed so nicely. And, and the truth is, as you and I both know, this is one of the most important topics in our world. You know, for for the huge percentage of people who have domestic pets, and since most of our pets die many years, less have less of a lifespan than we do, we're liable to run up against this issue quite often, and we're really better off if we're well-equipped to deal with it when it happens rather than trying to find out after it happens. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, let's talk about some of those, you know, what the, some of those numbers are. I mean, I don't know that we even know uh, how many dogs, how many cats die a year, you know, in our lifetime, you know, what are we seeing? I mean, folks, folks probably think, well, you know, a few here, a few there, but let's talk about what some of these numbers really are here. You have them in front of you. I'm going to tell everybody, are you ready? Here's was shocking to me. This was shocking to me. 14 and a half million pet cats and dogs die every year. 43-plus million people grieve over the loss of a cat or dog. So when you add those to the grieving, the death of exotic pets, a safe estimate is about 63.5 million new pet loss grievers in the United States every year. It's a staggering number if you think about it, and that doesn't even represent the truth. What we used for those stats was commonly accepted figures, but those figures, when you see, are only estimates, and they're on the low side. They're on the conservative side. The real numbers are probably maybe as much, Dr. Pat, as twice as much, in part because you don't get a formal death certificate with all, even with domestic pets, you know, unless they've gone through a a vet or so on, uh, you know, for the, for the euthanasia. So it's, it's probably low. And the worst part of this is 
we almost always get our original wrong ideas about dealing with the grief of the death of a pet with the death of a pet. In in our book, we use John's story, my partner John James. When he was mm-hmm. seven years old, his dog Peggy died. Peggy was the only safe entity in the universe for John. John's father was a raging alcoholic. I have his permission to say that. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he and his uh, father were in a perpetual war. His mom was reeling in living in an alcoholic environment that she didn't know how to deal with. So the only safe entity that John could talk to, commiserate with, get any emotional feedback from was his dog, Peggy. And when Peggy died, the first thing his mother and father said to him was, don't feel bad. But he did. Your, your very closest emotional connection with that dog is severed by death. You're seven. You hardly understand death as a reality anyway. And you are told not to feel the way you feel by your tour guides. Your parents are your tour, tour guides in this thing called life. You rely on them to know what to do and not do and how to, how to negotiate this world. So the first instruction you get about grief is don't feel the way you feel. In effect, lie about how you feel. And then he was told on Saturday, we'll get you a new dog, which is equivalent of saying replace the loss. But Dr. Pat, you and I know as, as much as we know our own names, that you cannot replace relationships. They are not interchangeable like light bulbs. Each dog has its own personality. You have your own personality with each dog or cat or horse or parakeet. And, it, and it's just like a girlfriend or boyfriend. Each of them have a personality as do you. If someone says when you have your first breakup, don't feel bad. There are plenty of fish in the sea. That's the first time you knew you were dating a fish. Okay. <laughs> and now humor aside, what you're being told by your parents, your friends, your social helpers of one kind or another is don't feel bad. Go get another girlfriend. And that's without taking the action to grieve and complete the broken hopes, dreams, and expectations you had for what the relationship was. So you stagger into the next relationship, incomplete with the last one, and therefore sabotage it. And if you need any proof, I'll give you stats. The divorce rate for first marriages, as we all know, hovers right around 50%. Now, that doesn't mean first relationship. It means first marriage, formalized. Okay? Here's staggering. The second marriage divorce rate is 63%. So getting divorced doesn't make you good at marriage. It makes you good at divorce. Third marriage divorce rate is at 75%. So it is obvious as the nose on our faces that that replace the loss does not work. It, it actually gets worse and worse, and eventually people stop trying to be in relationships because they feel like failures. And it's all because they were initially told, don't feel bad, when they did, which right. is illogical. Imagine, right. Dr. Pat, you call me up one day, not on the air, just a friend, you say, hey, hey, Russell's Dr. Pat, I say, hey, kiddo, how are you? Okay, and you say to me, oh, everything's great. Things are great at the station. Things are great at home. My life couldn't yeah. be happier. Would I go, uh-uh, uh-uh, don't be happy? I mean, doesn't that sound stupid? And yet, if you call me and say your favorite aunt dies, everyone's going to say, well, don't feel bad. She's in a better place. Now, she may or may not be in a better place. I don't know. But I know you wouldn't be, would you? No, not at all. And, you know, it's funny you bring that up because my aunt actually did die recently. Uh, And, you know, know, it's real. And it, it is my favorite aunt. 
And, you know, thank God I don't have people calling me up and telling me, don't worry about it. You know, she she this is the favorite one I like. And this happens with pets all the time. I know you know this. Here's the favorite one that I that when somebody says this to me and this has been said to me. Well, how old was your aunt or your dog? And you say, my aunt was 96 years old. Oh, but she lived such a long life. So, you know, just be grateful she lived that long. Same thing when my, my, when Travis, uh, when Travis passed away and I say, I had a collie and, uh, you know, uh, how old was he? 13. Oh, well, he lived far beyond the average. Really? Does that mean that I'm not supposed to be sad about this, Russell? Exactly. That my aunt I mean, is it's old insane. And my dog? It's insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the whole idea that when someone dies, that mm-hmm. our natural reaction was to be heartbroken, to miss them, to be sad, to be confused, to be lost, to be numb. Is, and they take it away in heart by saying, don't feel that way. She lived a full life. Yes, maybe she did. And she also may have been a miserable person. I don't know. But what I do know is that the grieving person is not in a better place, doesn't feel good. And, and let, me, let me use this to, to sure. explain something. A survey came out in 1984 that had studied people who had recently experienced the death of someone important to them. And later we'll come back and talk about that phrase, someone important to them. And in this survey, they established there were 141 comments that were so cliche that they heard them multiple times in the first three days or 72 hours following the death. Okay, the grievers themselves, not the survey takers, established that 122 of the comments they heard following the death were not helpful to them. That's 85 percent of the comments they heard the grievers deemed not helpful. Now, amongst them, things like, I know how you feel, which if if I was going to rank the comments, that would have to be the worst one. They're all worst. That one's worst, worst. Because if I say to you, when you tell me your aunt died, say, I know how you feel, you say, no, you don't. You're not me. You didn't know her. You don't know. You don't know anything about that. Even if I had a favorite aunt die, I don't know how you feel. So, you know, we might as well launch into helping everyone listening whether they're pet owners or lovers or friends or family of people who have pets, please don't ever say, I know how you feel. You don't. Now, there are only 19 helpful comments, which is scary, which explains why so many grieving people isolate after a loss. They hide out because they get tired of getting hit in the heart with these comments. Exactly. And we get t- and you get tired of having to say what's really going on. We're going to take a short break and come back and talk about some of those things. What are some of the helpful things? We're also going to come back, give a copy of the book away. Now, let me just give you a, a brand new statistics that I want to share with you. And it isn't about how many pets die a year. This is how important a- animals or animal friends are to us. Uh, Android put out a commercial and in their commercial, you honestly wouldn't know it was an Android commercial at all. You wouldn't know it. But what they did was brilliant. And this Android commercial is about the relationship between, uh, let's just say, our animal friends. That Android commercial, not aired on TV as we know it, not even counting that, but the YouTube views to date on this new commercial have surpassed 8 million views. Now, 
How brilliant is that? I mean, think about it. Brand new commercial, Android. Many people don't even know what the commercial is about. They don't really care. But this is really a demonstration of what's important to us and what's not. When we come back, we're going to talk about what are some of the things you could say to people and what is the grieving process anyway? Why is it that we so want to lock ourselves up in our closets and not come out? Stay tuned. We'll be right back. It's great to have Russell joining us here today. Go to the website, griefrecoverymethod.com. When we come back, we actually have a copy of the book to give away and lots more to talk about. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with the show. sophisticated with David and Philip Zarza. David and Philip touch on topics such as human potential, spirituality, pop culture, and purposeful living. Experience an insightful reading from David on what the universe has in store for you or reconnect with a departed loved one. Philip can look into an issue or anything else you may be dealing with. Go to GetSophisticated.com That's S-O-P-H-I-S-T-I-G-A-Y-T-E-D.com or call 206-420-8660. Wondering how to play the game of life and actually win? Stop wondering and start winning the game of life with the unique, incomparable Lynn Brown. Lynn takes everyday aspects of life and infuses them with the magic of soul and passion to help others. She wants to help you next. Lynn offers a myriad of spiritual healing from chakra clearing, aura healing to even corporate and business readings. Bring your game face and visit letter R, letter U, intuit.com or call 844-LETTER-B-INTUIT. If you're one of the millions of Americans suffering from anxiety, you probably know how powerless and out of control this emotion can make you feel. This is why it is so important to remember that anxiety is created by your mind, which means that you can learn to use your mind to uncreate it. Hello, my name is Dr. Friedman Schaub. My award-winning book, The Fear and Anxiety Solution, provides you with a step-by-step breakthrough process to understand and resolve the root causes of your anxiety and build a solid foundation of confidence and inner peace. If you're ready to take your power back, visit thefearandanxietysolution.com. That's thefearandanxietysolution.com or call 866-903-6463. That's 866-903-MIND. Do you want to transform your life's trauma and challenges into the gift that your life was meant to be? It's time for you to take control of your soul journey to heal, grow, and shine. Manifest your destiny with Wendy Wolf, soul transformer, energy, and psychic healer. To start your soul journey, contact Wendy at healgrowshine.com or email Wendy at wendy at wendyrwolf.com and start your adventure today. Tune in each Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 Eastern Time on Transformation Talk Radio to Limelight Radio with Katina Macris. This is an inspirational, cutting-edge radio show educating worldwide listeners on the diversity of Lyme disease-related topics. Each week, Katina will interview some of the world's leaders in health, wellness, spirituality, and human potential. For more information, visit LimeLightRadio.com.
Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back to the show. Hey, I want to make sure that all of you know, I'm thrilled Russell, uh, Russell Friedman joining me here today. But one of the things I want to make sure that you guys have is I want to make sure that you have the website where you can find out way more about the topic today. And definitely any of you that are out there and have uh, animal friends and and or have been in the grieving process this is definitely a book that you're going to want to check out, The Grief Recovery Handbook for Pet Loss, because what it does not only helps you in understanding your own grief process, but also it's going to help you understand someone else's. You know, many of us have said some things from time to time that just don't make sense. And in a minute, I'm going to talk about what my, what one of my least favorite things that people have said to me or that I've even said to other people uh, are but right now what I'd love to do is give a copy of the book away, Mr. Benny. First caller, one eight hundred nine three zero two eight one nine. Love to give a copy of the book away, one eight hundred nine three zero two eight one nine. Russell, you know I want to talk about what things we should say, but there are also some myths I think we need to talk about. Some things that we believe that aren't necessarily true. You know we've talked about a couple of them, but here here's one that that I know this is said to so many people just give it time just give right. it time <laughs> i don't know how much time i i mean somebody said that to me you know when i you know when travis uh passed away and you know that was my colleague and right. just give it time how much time russell how much time should i give that well i if do you have a couple hours and I can explain yeah. that? Uh, of okay. the six myths we highlight in all our books and all our talks, there are actually six that we use. There are probably more. But the basic ones we've touched on a little. Don't feel bad. Replace the loss. Grieve alone, which I want to talk about a little later. It just takes time or time heals all wounds. Those are kind of interchangeable comments or variations on them. Then there's be strong and or be strong for others. And then there's keep busy. So there's the six myths. But let's stick to time healing right now. I want uh, everyone listening to us who is not driving a car right now, I would like you to close your eyes. And I want you to imagine that you walk out into the parking lot, and as you approach your car, you see it has a flat tire. And you have that little feeling, little gasp or whatever. Now, here's a question. Keep your eyes closed. Would you pull up a chair and sit down and wait for air to jump back in that tire? Okay, when you finish laughing, keep your eyes closed, because we could come back 100 years later, and your skeleton would be in the chair with its clothes on, and here's what I guarantee you, the tire would still be flat 100 years from now, okay, because time cannot fix a flat tire. Now, we're also going to jump from that, but wait a second, let's do this. What would fix a flat tire if it isn't time? It would be actions taken within time, but it would be action. One of two things. Either you go, oh, that's why I have a cell phone, the primary reason. So I call the auto club and ask them to come over here right away, fix my tire because i got to go pick up the kids from school. Or if you're really bold and courageous, you open the trunk, get all your junk out of the way, and try to find that little donut thing they now call a spare tire, and try to find the jack, figure out how to work, jack up the car, and change the tire. That's the only way you get back on the road. One of two, if you can think of a third alternative, I guarantee it will still involve action to repair the tire. Now, 
The parallel or metaphor is this. An emotionally broken heart is remarkably uh, like a flat tire, isn't it? The get-up-and-go has got up and went. The ability to participate fully in life is limited. And time will not fix your broken heart any more than time will fix that flat tire. It's like this, Pat. You and I are friends, and one day we get together for lunch, and I say some things that are rude to you. I just kind of lose it, and I get on your case. Now, will time make an apology to you, or do I have to pick up the phone or go to your house and call you and say, Pat, I'm sorry, I just lost. I apologize to you. That would be the action. Time can't make an apology. Time can't forgive. Time can only go by. So the myth of time healing really is a myth. And I want to prove to you as best I can, it's anecdotally, but I have 100,000 anecdotes, literally. We had, we had a helpline here for many years, and I would I was talk to 10,000 grieving people every year, individually, not talking about groups or radio or TV. And I can, and the vast majority of them, many of them were experiencing a death, uh, some, uh, many of them death of a spouse, of a long-term spouse. And what would happen was about a five or six minutes into a phone call, I would kind of say to them, you know, I guess you realize by now they lied to us, that time doesn't heal your broken heart. And do you know what 99% of them said without any more prompt than that? They said, yes, and it feels like it's getting worse. Wow. Okay, it can't get better without action. All it can do is get buried. You can push it out of sight. You can keep yourself really busy and distract yourself, not fix yourself. And you can seem to move forward, but there's a piece missing because unresolved grief is cumulative and cumulatively negative. And because time can't heal wounds, it can only get worse. So that probably is the most pernicious of all myths that time heals. I get hundreds of email letters a week from our our, our, our place on tributes.com, one of the giant memorial websites. It gets like 5 million hits a month. And I get hundreds of email letters from people, and I'm going to tell you at least half of them, their question is, when will I get to feel better? Yeah. And I can't bark at them and say, well, you have to do something first. I have to kind of gently, lovingly explain it, kind of like I did here. And say, you can't get better until you take actions, but before you take actions, you have to get this myth about time healing out of your out of your brain. You have to get the myth that you're not supposed to feel bad out of your brain. You've got to get the myth of replace the loss out of your brain or you're stuck. And so well, uh, I'm glad you asked that one because that is probably the biggest single myth that limits me. Yeah. Yes, it is. It's a tough one. And the reason that it's a tough one is because that, you know, there are triggers, right? There are triggers that yeah. we have, things that remind us of. Now, I have to tell you for me, I happen to, uh, you know, I happen to have a collie that looked exactly like Lassie, exactly right. like Lassie. And, you know, so here we are. Every time you ever see anything like that, I mean, even, you know, a, another collie or another dog, it triggers you know, that love and then that loss. So what do well, what we it does do is triggers this? memory. It triggers yeah, it memory. Does. 
for yeah. sure. But but you know, at the same time, I, I man, I'm agreeing with you. I'm not arguing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have pictures of your of your dog. You have pictures of your 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 yes. parents who have anyone who's died, and the pictures are a stimulus also. But yes. the problem is, if you don't get emotionally complete, any stimulus, regardless if it looks like someone or something you hear or see or or you go past a place you used to go together, okay, the dog park or whatever. Oh, right. What it does, it triggers memory. If you're emotionally complete, you can have a feeling. Now, it's perfectly okay, Dr. Pat, to feel sad and miss someone. That's different than unresolved grief. Unresolved grief tends to lead to pain, to, to going over kind of um, looping on bad feelings. Well, that's the whole purpose of grief recovery method in this book, to help people complete what's unfinished so that what they're left with is fond memories that don't turn painful. Now, that again, that doesn't mean you can't be sad. You know, I'm going in a few weeks to New England to a family gathering, and there will be everyone there will have known my mother who died 20 years ago and will have known my dad who died seven years ago. There will be, everyone being there will be a massive reminder to me of people who aren't here. But because I've done my grief recovery work on those people and the animals in my life, then I can talk openly, even if I cry a little bit, which is not a crime, And I, but I will never be in pain. I will have the joy of remembering my mother with a little sadness, a little missing her, but not pain. And that's the distinction we want to get to. Sadness is fine. Pain is the option we'd like to help people get rid of because pain is not helpful. Because one of the things that here's the tragedy when people are afraid of those feelings because they turn painful, then they won't talk about or think about the person or the dog who died because they're afraid to go there. Now, not only have you lost them to death, but being unwilling to talk about them, remember them, share them that way, you've doubled up the crime. You know, it's heartbreak on heartbreak there. So that's why we wrote this book, to help people get out from under, rather than to keep avoiding the, the inevitable feelings that are attached to loss. So let's talk about this idea of completion, what it is, and what you've discovered would help with that. Because, you know, I, I mean, for many people, we're thinking, okay, wait a minute, what am I not getting about completion? And, you know, you talk about it in the book. You ask, what is completion? And, you know, I think that it's worth chatting about for a little bit. Uh, and what, what are some of the solutions for this? Great question. So let's just use something to help everybody understand. A few yeah. minutes ago I said, what, gosh forbid, what if I inadvertently or intentionally hurt your feelings? I now... In order for me to become emotionally complete with you, I have to apologize. Again, I pick up the phone and call you or I go to your house or send you an email saying, I'm humbly sorry. Now, what if, what if you die before I make the apology? Does your death end my need to make an apology? Answer, no. No. So when we're dealing with a pet who has died or a human who's died or a divorce, we are always left with unfinished emotional business, undelivered and incomplete emotional comments. The grief recovery method helps and guides people to take the actions, now listen to this, to discover and complete what was left emotionally unfinished for them by the death or an estrangement. You know, by the way, some people are dealing with a, a different kind of loss with a pet where the circumstances forced them to give a pet away because where they were moving to didn't allow pets and they had to give a pet away. Is that heartbreaking at 100%? You bet. 
we're not going to compare it to the death of a pet, but we, we, it's something that makes you incomplete. So the idea of being incomplete is that there are unfinished and undelivered emotional communications. Now, I'm sure you said I love you a million times to your dog, but I love you is just one communication. It is not the range of things we need to discover and complete. And so grief recovery in all aspects is about that discovery and completion of what's unfinished so that we can have fond memories not turn painful, so that we can remember them the way we knew them in life rather than only as we knew them in death, and so, and so that we can have a life of meaning and value even though it has changed. And I want to focus just for one more second on, on, re, on, on remembering the way we knew them in life not only as in death. Many, okay. many times, sadly, our pets die in auto accidents, some of them cats and smaller get killed by coyotes, all kinds of tragic manner. And like people, they can get cancer. And by the time they die of cancer, they don't even look like themselves anymore. So often the last images we have of our pets are not pretty. Well, people get stuck. And in, in the book, we have, have a, a section called Stuck on a Painful Image. And I bet right. you, you know people who have heard people who just loop the story of pain they have about the ugliness of a last picture. The problem there is that it robs them of the whole relationship and only puts them on the ending, which is only sad. And that's not fair to the whole relationship, which also had many wonderful things in it. Well, and, you know, part of this is to is really looking at, as you said before, and I'd love for you to talk about this, um, to look at, okay, what just happened here? Now, I I will tell you that, um, you know, there is something that is happening these days where the way that, you know, we let our pets go has become in some language more humane. For example, it used to be if there was a pet that was, you know, uh, in serious pain or had a, a terminal illness and so forth and so on, you know, we would take the, you know, we would take the, the, the pet to the uh, vet, vet's office and, that's the way that would go. Now, uh, some of the vets come to your home. And I wanted to talk about this because you've, we talked sure. about the word guilt before. And I don't think, I don't think that, and this is just me talking here now, Russell. I don't think there is a more, a, a more serious event in one's life than to have to make a decision about life or death. That's just me, though. Right. Whether it's a person. No, that that is, you know what, let me benignly say, I think that's close to universal. That, OK, and I think anyone listening who's been in the position will go. Yeah, me too. Me too. Me too. Okay. It, it, we in our relation with pets, we get put in an unfortunate position of having to make those decisions. And, and we can talk quite a bit about that. But, you know, I'm not trying to take away your uniqueness, but what you bring up, I'm no, sure no. in the listening audience, everyone's going, yeah, 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 Dr. Pat, that's so right. <laughs> right. I just don't like to speak for someone. But let's talk about that. Uh, and, and, you know, right now for this show, I want to talk about, you know, pets because, yes, we are talking about our parents sometimes. We have to make those decisions or maybe our children or other people we love. Um, I wanted to say this before we uh, start talking about this. I, uh, I would love to give another copy of the book away for those of you out there. 1-800-930-2819. The hardest decision I've ever made was, rela was related to the collie I keep mentioning. And I did not have the tools or I did not have the awareness that you talk about and share in this book. 
So I'd love for you to talk about what you've discovered, what the experience is, and, and how we can help people that have to make a decision like that. Yes, uh, this is a crucial question. Uh, um, I think most important is to be prepared in advance with with it, mm. if you read the that book the grief recovery pet yeah. handbook for pet loss if you read I, I it have, long yes. before a death happens if you read it if yep. you don't even have a pet yet you will have better helpful information which will guide in a positive way your ability to accurately make the decisions you need to make that's crucial. Part of the reasons people don't know what to do is they don't know they're afraid of what's going to happen to them emotionally if and when the pet predeceases them, which is obviously you know, a lot of times that happens when you know they're right. terminally ill. So getting better information about what to do and how to do it, getting it in advance is better. It's like one of my favorite articles I ever wrote it wasn't about pets, but it fits right here. Uh, should you take a CPR class? Well, imagine this. You come up in the street, you see a guy fall down. He's obviously having a heart attack. Now, you say, oh, I don't know what to do. Let me run right now and go take a CPR class. I'll be back in a, in a week. That person will be dead, you know, and because you didn't take the trouble to learn a little CPR or some basic, uh, you know, first aid. Well, emotional first aid is what we're talking about here, knowing what to do and how to do it will make you be able to make that horribly difficult decision. It's still a tough one. I went through it myself. With our, we had a dog named Zoe. When we went through it, she had the cancer. We spent like eight or $10,000. It didn't work, and it came to the point that she's on her way out. And, yeah. But we didn't know. We didn't know when. So we went to our vet, who's just a white woman. We said, how will we know? He said, watch her. She'll tell you. It was right. like brilliant. It was like a Zen thing. And we trusted him. And we went home, and about two weeks later, one morning, I woke up, I looked at Zoe, and she, she couldn't really look at me. And I went, oh, boy. And my spouse, Alice, looked at her and went, oh, wow. And our daughter, Claudia, who had been kind of grown up with the dog, saw her. And we all were in, con in, in together on recognizing she had said, I can't do this anymore. Please, let me go. We took her to the vet. The vet looked at her and said, brilliant. This is exactly the perfect time, and it's exactly the – and although it's not weird or woo-woo – it's exactly the communication that, that was being sent that you picked up. So we were able to have her euthanized to do all our grief recovery work and to move forward in our lives feeling very okay about what we did. We didn't like that we had to make that choice or decision, but we were able to make it without looking back and saying, oh, should we have, shouldn't we have? And I deal with that every day with grieving pet owners who call me and say, should I have my dog put down. And one of the questions I ask them is, are you keeping him or her alive only for yourself because you're afraid of your grief that will happen? And if they say yes, I say, you got to rethink that. If someone kept you in misery because they were afraid, would that be fair? And, you know, unfortunately, we're in the position of having to make choices for another being who can't make it for itself. So it's an interesting, fascinating question, but it's all related to what you know about grief that allows you to make the correct decision. So, you know, one of the things that also we talk about in this is, you know, what happens when we do make those decisions and then the aftermath of that. You talk about two things in the book, and I think we have enough time to talk about both of them. One is this idea of a letter, a farewell letter. The other one is an idea of, okay, uh, let's go get another dog, cat, pet, period. 
So I would love okay. for you to address those two as, you know, uh, and for those of you out there, there's much more in the book. And as I said before, we have a second copy to give away, 1-800-930-2819. I was very touched by uh, what you had to say about writing a letter. Great. Uh, let, let me explain it. It'll have to be a little bit brief, not only for time, but in fairness to the listeners, I don't want them jumping to the end. I don't want them to run before they can walk. Not to say that they're limited, but you use the word process. We tend to use our title, which is Grief Recovery Method. Yeah. Uh, the Grief Recovery Method is a series of actions that a grieving person takes to help them achieve the goal that I mentioned earlier, which is to discover and complete what was left emotionally unfinished for them by the death or, or disappearance or having to give away their pet. Now, it is a whole sequence of things of which the Grief recovery completion letter is the last thing, and we never, ever, ever, ever recommend, suggest, or allow, if we get a vote, anyone to jump to the letter without doing all the preliminary things. First action, I'll do this very quickly, the first action is to establish all the myths that may have limited you, like don't feel bad and time heals and grieve alone and all that insanity. You have to debunk those first. Then we ask you to make a list of all the other pets that whose deaths have affected you, even if it's the death of a pet of a, pet of a friend of yours. Now, some people come to this book having only had one pet die. Some have a list like I do with 10 or 15 pets. You know, probably a lot of them, a lot more have, have a longer list than a short one. Because when you had a pet die when you were young is when you learn, don't feel bad on Saturday, we get your new dog, which is both right. are false statements. Then we have you do a graph. It's called a relationship graph. In which you look at all the things you can recall, good, bad, and occasional ugly, not so much ugly with pets, good and bad, you know, sometimes frustrating, they pee on the floor, excuse my language, and so on and so forth, and they don't mind, or they dig a hole into the fence, but there are good and bad aspects to their behavior and our reaction to it. You know, and then after doing this relationship graph, we put those, the graph into categories, completion categories, and they're so simple, it's almost absurd. One category is apologies, as if I, if I needed to apologize to you for hurting your feelings or for not doing something nice for you. Another category is forgiveness, to forgive people or animals for things they did or didn't do that hurt us. And let me stop a second and say, pets rarely do anything intentionally to harm us, so forgiveness isn't as big an aspect. In, in the pet loss recovery as it is with humans, where the relationships are quite different. The third category is called significant emotional statements, and that is a category that covers everything that isn't an apology or forgiveness. So we take this relationship graph, convert it into those categories, apology, forgive, significant emotional statement, and then take that and create a prose letter. Not a newsletter, not a diary entry, but a completion letter that takes the things and says things like, I'm so sorry I didn't notice you were sick and get you to the vet earlier. It breaks my heart that I just couldn't see it. Uh, I, I appreciate the hundreds of hours on hikes, look at trails, watching you be pure dog, watching you do your birthright, watching you just it helped me so much to learn how I can be a better human by watching you being a natural dog. Thank you for that, or I'm sorry I never told you how much it meant to me. That's the kind of stuff that's in the letter. Rather than just, oh, you know, I've been sad and missing you since you died, and I spend a lot of time just feeling bad. That's not a completion letter. That, 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 that is 
kind of a litany of pain. And the difference between the grief recovery completion letter and other written devices is that it has a mode of a purpose, a set of actions that are clear-cut with a goal to complete unfinished business. Again, after you do that work, you tend to feel better, feel more complete, but it doesn't mean you're never sad and it doesn't mean you don't miss them, but it means you can talk about them and think of them without pain. And that's, again, the key. Sadness, okay. Pain is the option we're trying to take away. Wow. Russell, thank you for a great show. I know we've got about two minutes left, and I wanted to ask you, what have I left out? What would you like to leave us with here today? And thank you so much for what you do. It's so important. Yeah, thank you. Uh, What I would like to say is uh, when you are around someone who has had a pet die or has had any other grief event that's effective and you know them, I want you to imagine this. They have an arrow in their heart. Imagine just like a, a, a bow and arrow arrow, but you can't see it. Imagine that it's there, and with that, you'll have more loving interactions. It will dictate better things to say. By the way, real quick answer to your question from 20 sure. minutes ago. Best thing to say, gosh, I heard what happened, Dr. Pat, with the death of your pet, and and I can't imagine what this has been like for you. And that is an open-ended way of saying, I will listen to you talk. I don't say, and how did it make you feel, although in effect, that's what I'm saying. Gosh, I can't imagine how this has been for you. And that will give them an opportunity to talk and know that they won't be judged. Then the key is don't judge them and don't tell them not to feel bad. Just follow them and let them tell you where they are rather than you dictating how they should feel. One more quick point. John and I have already donated thousands of copies of all of our books to libraries across this country. Do not let money stop you from getting the book. Go to Amazon and get them or go to our website, www.griefrecoverymethod.com, or go to the library. But get the book. Read it and do what it says. That's the key. Wow. Russell, thank you so much. What a great show. And by the way, we've given two copies of the book away today because of the generosity uh, of Russell and the team. What a great show. Boy, and there's so much, by the way, folks, that we did not cover in the book. Uh, So please go ahead and find out. I mean, we haven't even talked about the relationship graph, which I love. Russell, thank you so much. Benny, thank you for a great show. And all of you out there, stay tuned. Brenda Thine coming right up. The 23rd Annual Women of Wisdom Conference, February 12th through the 16th. This year's theme is I Am We, Hearts Connecting Communities, with special guests Jean Shinoda Bolin, healer Patty Conklin, Penny Pierce, and over 40 experiential life-changing workshops and inspiring evenings, all individually priced for you to create your unique conference. Evenings open to men. Find out all the details at www.womenofwisdom.org. Register for a half-day workshop and bring a friend for 40% off. Grateful patients have been saying it for 25 years. When in pain, see Dr. Thane. Dr. Thane of Wellness One of Bellevue has been named one of the nation's top chiropractors by the Consumers Research Council of America, and for good reason. He has helped his patients recover their energy and vitality after car accidents, sports injuries, herniated discs, fatigue due to stress, the list goes on. 
The website is bellevue.wellness1.net. When in pain, see Dr. Thane. That's bellevue.wellness1.net. Would you like to be a question with anything that comes up in your body or mind? Would you like to become totally aware and begin to function as the conscious being you truly are? Join Access Certified Facilitator Glenna Rice every month for a live teleclass where you can ask all of your questions and learn to create change in any aspect of your life. Visit GlennaRice.com today to learn more and don't miss the next call. Join the questionable conversation today at GlennaRice.com. Tired of traditional talk? People pontificating about this or that, the left or the right. Sometimes the truth is just all lost in the noise. Tune in each week to Straight Talk with Chuck Gallagher on TransformationTalkRadio.com, Mondays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, as nationally known guests talk about what's important to you, your life, your concerns, and your success. Tune in and turn on to Straight Talk with Chuck Gallagher. Visit ChuckGallagher.com for more information. What does a dentist of the year get? A little plaque. (laughs) Welcome to Smile Big, where we offer cosmetic, restorative, and preventative dentistry. Dr. James Rosenwald and Dr. Susan Abdenard work hard every day for their clients to be happy to smile with the latest equipment for complete smile restoration for anyone. The sooner you call, the sooner they can help. Call 425-454-4040 or email scheduling at smilebig.com. You can even visit our website at smilebig.com. Get sophisticated with David and Philip Zarza. David and Philip touch on topics such as human potential, spirituality, pop culture, and purposeful living. Experience an insightful reading from David on what the universe has in store for you. Or reconnect with a departed loved one. Philip can look into an issue or anything else you may be dealing with. Go to GetSophisticated.com. That's S-O-P-H-I-S-T-I-G-A-Y-T-E-D.com. Or call 206-420-8660. Wondering how to play the game of life and actually win? Stop wondering and start winning the game of life with the unique, incomparable Lynn Brown. Lynn takes everyday aspects of life and infuses them with the magic of soul and passion to help others. She wants to help you next. Lynn offers a myriad of spiritual healing from chakra clearing, aura healing to even corporate and business readings. Bring your game face and visit letter R, letter U, intuit.com or call 844-LETTER-B-INTUIT. If you're one of the millions of Americans suffering from anxiety, you probably know how powerless and out of control this emotion can make you feel. This is why it is so important to remember that anxiety is created by your mind, which means that you can learn to use your mind to uncreate it. Hello, my name is Dr. Friedman Schaub. My award-winning book, The Fear and Anxiety Solution, provides you with a step-by-step breakthrough process to understand and resolve the root causes of your anxiety and build a solid foundation of confidence and inner peace. If you're ready to take your power back, visit thefearandanxietysolution.com. That's thefearandanxietysolution.com or call 866-903-6463. That's 866-903-MIND. 
Do you want to transform your life's trauma and challenges into the gift that your life was meant to be? It's time for you to take control of your soul journey to heal, grow, and shine. Manifest your destiny with Wendy Wolf, soul transformer, energy, and psychic healer. To start your soul journey, contact Wendy at healgrowshine.com or email Wendy at wendy at wendyrwolf.com and start your adventure today. Tune in each Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 Eastern Time on Transformation Talk Radio to Limelight Radio with Katina Macris. This is an inspirational, cutting-edge radio show educating worldwide listeners on the diversity of Lyme disease-related topics. Each week, Katina will interview some of the world's leaders in health, wellness, spirituality, and human potential. For more information, visit LimeLightRadio.com. It's here, the 23rd Annual Women of Wisdom Conference, February 12th through the 16th. This year's theme is I Am We, Hearts Connecting Communities, with special guests Jean Shinoda Bolin, healer Patty Conklin, Penny Pierce, and over 40 experiential life-changing workshops and inspiring evenings, all individually priced for you to create your unique conference. Evenings open to men. Find out all the details at www.womenofwisdom.org. Register for a half-day workshop and bring a friend for 40% off. 